Whatever bids were there just got steamrollered. The noise in the dealing room at Prudential Beach was such that the desks and personnel adjacent to the traders just stopped working and watched in awe as the focus zoomed in on about 20 people screaming and shouting at the top of their voices with phones pinned to both ears and gesturing with anything they possibly could to sell sterling. Customers were held in a queue to even get a price, desperately waiting and mentally calculating their losses with every downtick in the market. But the downticks were not downticks. They were big-figure downticks, where every figure in a million pounds equated to a $10,000 loss. In 50 million, a big figure was worth $500,000, and the market was dropping by several big figures per minute. For the prop traders at Goldman and all the other traders who were already short, it was a few moments of unbounded joy. The only difficult choice was where to take profits. If Italy had devalued 7% and Schlesinger thought that wasn't enough, then, well, maybe 10% would do. Or 15%. 10% on a billion-pound position would be $100 million. On a profit and loss, $100 million would equate to a $10 million bonus in just a few months' time. Not bad for a day's work. The traders at NatWest had in fact made in excess of $10 million, a theme that was echoed across the city. At Godzilla and Prudential Beach, the profits were in the millions. At Goldman Sachs, in the tens of millions. It capped a remarkable week for Goldman Sachs in a highly profitable era. Along with the earlier successes in Deutschmarks against the Lira, the Goldman Sachs FX desk made a fortune. Goldman CEO Stephen Friedman described the trading opportunity as the best he'd ever seen. The biggest loser, of course, was the Bank of England. And for his efforts in defending the pound, Jim Trott deserves a medal. Of course, he got nothing. Well, the governor, Robin Lee Pemberton, received a life peerage. Trott describes the day as stunningly expensive, with the bank losing in excess of three billion pounds and using up 15 billion in reserves. Despite cries for their resignation, all the government ministers kept their jobs and ultimately received life peerages. The biggest winner by far, though, was George Soros. Quantum made in excess of $1 billion that day, more than 10% on a £10 billion position. If Stanley Druckenmiller takes the credit for coming up with the trade, then it is Soros who takes the credit for managing the trade and sensing he could outgun the Bank of England. Without Soros's more than doubling the trade from 4 to $10 billion, the Bank of England might well have survived the day. His incessant selling put pressure on the UK government to raise interest rates, and his selling post that decision, the one-way traffic through the broker-dealers and the contagious effect of his selling created its own reflexive process. Soros had the capacity to trade $15 billion, which was precisely the scale of the intervention, just about enough to take on the bank single-handedly. But big trades create noise in the market, and institutional hurting is what ultimately caused the Bank of England's defense to buckle. What was just as remarkable about Soros's trade was that he managed to take profit and buy £10 billion as the market sold into his bid. It was a truly remarkable trade, of enormous scale, brilliantly executed on what has now become the foreign exchange market's most infamous trading day.